Virtuous Men, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history. Welcome to Loose and Unscripted. I'm Jamie. I'm Scott. And we're the creators of Virtuous Men. We'll be discussing our ongoing mini-pod series. We'll be going through the listener and follower comments. And we'll be answering one of the most intriguing questions asked by our followers. Going to be intriguing. Very intriguing. The small group of warriors knelt before their captors. It had been a long struggle, but they had achieved their goal. Justice had been served. They had known from the beginning that their mission would likely come to this moment. So, mini-pod number one was the 47 Ronin for the virtue of brotherhood. Yeah, that's right. So, you did this post a while back, and when we decided to do mini-pods, we... That was the first one on your mind, wasn't it? Yeah, well, and I think one of the reasons it was the fir- it was the first one that came to mind to do was I thought it was a good one for the length because the whole goal of the mini pods is that they're supposed to be shorter ones because very often a lot of the posts that we do, there often isn't a lot of information that other ones typically have. So pretty much all of the episodes that we have done, the feature length ones, there's enough information on the men to get a full length episode out of it. But certain ones, there isn't a lot of that information. So where do, what do you kind of do with it? And the answer is, oh, you do a, do a mini pod of it. So you still get the story, you still get the meat. And I thought this this particular story with the 47 Ronin, there is a pretty good amount of information about the story. So I probably could have made it a full-length episode, but I thought it it would have been the sort of thing, it just would have been probably repetitive after a while, where you don't need all of this excess backstory. You don't need every single solitary detail, you know? So I thought it was an easy story to condense into a shorter format to get into that length. Right. And the point was that the listeners can just listen to in 15 minutes. And it's a way, I think it was a way that we can get more episodes out there without having to spend so much time on them. Because I know for me, the feature lengths take a (laughs) long time. Oh, you're not with, the only one. You're especially with inter- interviews, with yeah, all the editing and stuff. So, yeah, I hope I hope the listeners like them. I know I listened to it, and at the end, I was just craving more uh, sword sound effects and <laughs> maybe some gore at the end. Like I was maybe tempted. Some severed heads. I was. The ground. I was. Te- yeah, right. And then you just hear the geysers of gore gushing out of the severed <laughs> femoral arteries and. But I decided not to go that route. Yeah, it left me wanting more, but very good job at the same time. Well, I didn't realize you were such a bloodthirsty savage <laughs> until now, so I'm starting to wonder. Did you hear the Frank Hammer episode? Many times. I still think that's your best one. Ah, thank you. Yeah, no, it was it was a good a good episode to do for the length. I I enjoyed doing it, and it it really is a great story. I mean, you can really look at look at the overall story as these guys did did this as an act of vengeance. So that is pretty questionable as a motive, but I think it really illuminates the fact that these people took their values so seriously that they were willing to go to whatever length to defend them and honor them and uphold them. So I think that's really what you can take from the story above all else. Whether you agree with the motive or not, it's pretty powerful that they were willing to go that far for what they believed in. The man stood nervously, peering at the documents before him. His hands trembled. What he was looking at was proof of what he had been warning his contacts at the CIA and MI6 of for months. 
So Minipod episode two was Oleg Penkovsky for the virtue of... Descent. That's right. I knew that. I was just testing you. <laughs> yeah, this one was, uh, this was my first Minipod. And I think this, funny enough, was the episode we had probably the most back and forth with. Because, uh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't exactly stay within the time parameters, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. But uh, my, I think I... I like to make my episodes a little longer, which is fine, but for many pods, it was much harder to do. Uh, this one was... And it was our first time doing it, so we were still figuring out yeah. the kinks, like, because we're so used to writing longer episodes that you were probably naturally thinking, oh, if I write it this long, it it's still condensed into that length, yeah. and it turns out, oh, wait, it's actually longer than that. Yeah, I think the, the main reason I made it so long is because I actually went out and bought a book uh, called Dead Drop. By Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy Dunn, I think that's right. And it's a great book. It has a lot of detail about Oleg's story from the time when he was a, uh, an intelligence officer in the Soviet military until he decided he was going to defect and uh, just be a basically be a double agent. And so I got so much information that I wanted to really juice up the story because it's a really incredibly interesting story. And it is. All, all of the information there is good, for sure. But I feel like, I think it's definitely one of those episodes where you could have easily made it a feature-length episode. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, it was definitely a tough one for miniature length, for yeah, sure. It was, a, it was a good learning process for me, for uh, for the mini-pods. Maybe that one was a little bit too much of a stretch to, to make into a mini-pod. It's not, still, a, still a solid piece of work, though, I'm not yeah, going to lie. Nonetheless, it, it came out well. And one of the things I like doing in episodes is getting speeches from you know really famous speeches yes you, you definitely like to do that i had a lot of fun with that with the jfk speeches which regardless if you like his politics or not he was an incredible speech giver and uh i got a couple of those speeches in there during the, the cuban missile crisis that i thought were really cool um really set the tone and i also find really good music to set the tone as well really good uh suspenseful music so I had fun with that one. Um, it was a little long, but uh, <laughs> a good story. And I think the main message from it of Descent was the fact that this guy, he he didn't hate his country by any means. And he wasn't this guy who thought, well, I can just make a quick buck and, you know, move to the West and enjoy myself at the expense of my countrymen. It was more he loved his country he loved his people, and he saw that the way the Soviets were going about things was more than likely going to lead to, to nuclear war, which wouldn't be good for anyone. So, uh, and in the end, of course, he paid the price. Yeah, definitely a good example of the terrible cost sometimes of telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. And it's really sad because his, his wife and, and his two daughters also were, were arrested, and, and, you know, obviously their life was pretty horrible after that too, so... They paid the price, his family paid the price as well, but uh, a virtuous man, even though he probably in some ways wasn't virtuous, but he had everything to lose and he still did it. Yeah, definitely something we can learn from. The shepherd looked out over the land he had tended to for too many years to count. It was as much a part of his soul as his skin was to his body, yet he knew that one day he would leave it all behind. In his heart, he knew that he could only stay here for so long. Okay, number three, Minipod 3, was Gabriel Oak 
for the virtue of loyalty. That is correct. Yes, and he is the um, he's one of the principal characters in the Thomas Hardy novel Far from the Matting Crowd, which I love, and I was introduced to that novel through a recent film adaptation from 2015, I think, with a uh, Carrie Mulligan as the woman. Yeah, you showed me that one. Yeah, totally. And the first time I saw it, I was just very struck by the film. I thought it was a really, really well done story. And I thought this just blows Pride and Prejudice out of the water for (laughs) Victorian romance. You know, I mean, if there's any Pride and Prejudice uh, fans listening, they're just throwing their phone out the window. You guys are looking in the wrong direction. You got you got to look to this story. Although I must say, if there's any Pride and Prejudice fans listening, I'd be very surprised. Exactly. But you never know. You never know. They could be there. Yeah. If you're there, please come forward. But, uh, send us an email. Right, send us an email. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. But the, his virtue of loyalty in the story, I thought, was the thing that really struck me the most because his his love interest is such an immature woman and she makes a lot of mistakes and she's not really deserving of him in a lot of ways. And there could be some debate as to whether or not she still deserves him by the end of the story. And you could definitely say, yeah, I know there's no way that she deserves him. He's way too good for her, but you know, it's still a beautiful story regardless of how you feel about her as a character. And the fact that he remains loyal to her through all sorts of trials. And I feel like this is where the movie did a really good job of highlighting what the novel did as well of just how how loyal he is through all trials and tribulations that go on in the farm and and his role as a shepherd and he's kind of one of those people in the background who's really really important but doesn't get the spotlight and he's okay with that you know as long as he's doing his duty then that drives him on yeah i i think he's yeah he's a very uh, upstanding guy especially i mean i haven't read the book but i've seen the movie and yeah he's very he's portrayed as someone with integrity with uh a hard work ethic and that's something that kind of draws you to him at least for me um i will say i watched this with my wife stacy and <laughs> at the end it, she was like eh, yeah it's all right really wow <laughs> she is a big pride, really? pride and prejudice fan though so so yeah, not exactly mr darcy huh yeah guess not yeah yeah, I think this one, though, I definitely put more jokes into this one than I have in any other episode. And I was just dying of laughter as I was putting them in there. Because that's what <laughs> well, we often do. No one's do. heard those except me, Scott. Right, exactly. And it'll always be that way. Because <laughs> that's what we do sometimes where we do the, the first draft and we throw a joke or two in there. But this one, I put like four or five different jokes in there. So, yeah, I, I was actually listening to this draft while doing dishes one night. And I was <laughs> laughing hysterically in the kitchen. It was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad I could create those moments for you. That's really what this project is about. You know, the virtue stuff is great, but the jokes, that is what we're trying to get after. (laughs) The rumors had flooded in from the day prior. No one knew the exact figures yet, but a great many people had been killed. As the man makes his way to work, the tumultuous events of Tiananmen Square weigh heavily on his mind. So our fourth mini-pod was Tank Man for the Virtue of Resistance. And for those of us who don't know who Tank Man is, maybe elaborate on yeah, who he is so... for one thing. He's more famous for the pictures as opposed to right. the name. Yeah, so everybody's seen the picture, I'm sure. I mean, probably 99% of people who've ever been on the internet have seen the picture. Well, unless, oh, yeah. you're, unless you're in China. Right, exactly, right. (laughs) Uh, So Tank Man was a guy who, nobody really knows who he was, but during the Tiananmen Square 
uh, massacre, the protests that turned into a massacre in 1989 in China. Uh, they were protesting uh, the China's the Chinese Communist Party, and they wanted more democratic uh, a democratic government and more freedom of speech. Uh, the things that we kind of take for granted in this country, but. Uh, so it was this guy who showed up after the protests had been squashed. There was a big massacre. A lot of people were killed. And this guy shows up and stands in front of the tanks who were just parading down uh, a street called I mean, it was Chang'an Chang Boulevard uh, near Tiananmen Square. And he just stood in its path. And everyone expected the tank to just roll over him, but it stopped. And he gets up on the tank and he has this conversation with, with one of the tank drivers and hmm. just the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. But it became this this image of resistance, not just in China, but worldwide. And it's still, you know, it's on T-shirts, it's on, on everything. Uh, it's really impactful globally. So I wanted to do one on that because uh, I think part of this, this project is, I think, with Oleg even, it was standing up against authoritarianism and then it was kind of backed up with mm-hmm. with the tank man and resistance was the yeah. virtue we chose to highlight with him. And so yeah, that the episode was really cool to research. I knew of this incident, but not in the detail that I found out in researching it. Like I didn't realize that it lasted for so long before the the massacre and before the government troops came in. Right, and wasn't there a huge amount of people involved? Too? Yeah, I mean, one of the protests there was like 1.6 million people in the square. Yeah, that's just unreal. So it was massive, and basically there was two options: the government could could cave and and give the protesters what they wanted and negotiate with them, or they could bring in the military and shoot some protesters and and the rest would flee and that's what happened that's that's kind of how they do things in china unfortunately but that image totally lives on i mean i feel like it's one of those things where they could try as hard as they could to suppress it but it's such a powerful image that speaks volumes about resistance as a virtue right and then to this day if and this is kind of sad that you know the big tech giants have went along with this if you google tiananmen square in china you won't see any images of Tank Man. Yeah, that's any sadly not surprising. Or or of the massacre, and and the ones you do see, it's of the the protesters did to the to the soldiers. A lot of this, a couple, not a lot of them, but I mean, I think a couple dozen soldiers were killed as well mm. uh, by the protesters, which of course right not spin condo- it to make it look like they're the victims. Yeah, of course not condoning that either, but yeah. they 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 spin it in such a way to make them out to be the victims. So powerful episode. Um, I've heard a lot of good good responses to it as well. Um, it's something that I really like to tell those stories because it's it's something that's not too it's not too distant history. Um, it's not too yeah. and, and too distant of the past, and we shouldn't forget that when a government has total power, there's no opposition, which is what some of the protests was about because it's a one party system in China. When there's a one-party system and there's no opposition, there is no limit to the power the government has, and that's very dangerous. The man trudged through the harsh winter snow. He loved the sound of boots stepping on snow as he walked. Everyone else was inside where it was warm, but not him. 
All right, episode five of the mini pods was Wilson Bentley for The Virtue of Passion. This was yes, a very, very different one. It was very cool to do, and I don't just say that for the sake of a pun because he was a snowflake person. <laughs> so, See what you did there? Right, yeah. I thought it was just another one of those ones where just the the level of information about him and the kind of life he lived, it would not have been as appropriate to do it for a feature-length episode, but perfect for the short length, you know, and... I often like, and I really like to do those people who are lesser known, but still made an impact. And I feel like he's definitely in that vein of, of figures. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. And I remember you did that post a while back, quite a while back. I'd never heard of him before. Yeah, I think I, I remember watching a documentary in middle school or something. And it triggered that memory of, of this guy called Bentley. And that no one had ever actually taken a picture of a snowflake before. A picture that was of quality. You know, right, a lot of people yeah. tried. And I remember that people tried and the snowflake would deform. Mm -hmm. And people thought, oh, no, no, all snowflakes aren't different. But they weren't looking at the true snowflake because it had already deformed. It had already melted and then refrozen. So it wasn't an actual good view of the snowflake. And he did that. Yeah, well, and that's another thing that was so impressive is that he, nobody taught him how to do any of that. He did it all by trial and error. And, you know, who, how many of us would have that level of persistence now? I mean, when he got the camera to photograph them, he didn't know a thing about photography. Hmm. And you look at his images and you think, wow, so this guy is totally self-taught, basically, in everything. And all the techniques that he did for getting those images was completely his own, which is extremely impressive when yeah. you think about also it. Also the virtue of self-education then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or, and just the persistence of getting it right, you know, just constant trial and error, like over years and everything. And, and just patience too, because given what he was doing, I mean, that takes a lot of patience when you think about it. I feel like anybody that studies weather phenomena, they have to be patient people. Yeah. Because that was another thing, too, that I never knew about him was that he also did a lot of research on rain, you know, and just the techniques that he did did to to study rain. I mean, it's just unreal that someone would be that persistent with something that most of us just kind of think, oh, there's the weather. Oh, it's a rainstorm. <laughs> but, you know, it, it actually fascinated him to an obsessive degree. Right. And didn't he, what was it? He found a, a way of measuring, what was it, raindrop size through dough or something? Yeah. Well, he had a tray with flour on flour. it and he just basically held it out for a few seconds as the rain fell. And then he quickly took it back in and waited for it to dry. And then he would look at the little balls and he'd be able to accurately measure how big the drops were. It all goes back to the virtue of passion. I mean, no one could ever do anything like what he did if you weren't passionate about it, you know? And I think that's particularly something we can learn from him is just how beautiful it is to see someone passionate about something. Like, I can think of so many examples like that of people I've seen and, or talked to and they're talking about things that I honestly don't know anything about or even couldn't care less about, but hearing them talk about it with such enthusiasm... It's a really cool thing to see in life, and I don't see it very often, but when I do, it's just a real joy to behold. The fact that they care so much about it is really yeah. inspiring. Yeah, and I, I thought it was also interesting, and I guess it was ironic and tragic, but also a little poetic, the way he died. Yeah, there's no better way for him to have left this world than the way he did. The man looked upon the ruins of the former citadel, Jerusalem, land of his fathers and their fathers before them. For 400 years, his people had called it their capital city.
So the la the most recent mini pod we've done as of this recording is Nehemiah for the virtue of responsiveness, which I must say I am extremely glad that you chose to do this one. Yeah, I had fun with this one as well. Uh, Nehemiah, it's probably my favorite book of the Old Testament, which really is a lot to choose from there. But uh, I enjoy the tenacity of the guy, he, his passion for his people. He didn't just, you know, grieve that his people were in trouble. He did something about it. And this project is all about men who act. You know, they don't just uh, feel this. They don't just think about it. They act. So he was a good choice for this. And I, I've read the book dozens of times, but it was interesting going into the detail and making... I have a few theatrical moments in there that, you know, like the, the part where the guy tries to trick him that one last time and mm -hmm. and you did a great a great voice <laughs> voice acting. Oh yeah. I know it's always tidbit in there. I'm always flattered you would choose me to read additional voices because I don't feel like I have that quality. I'm more of a narrator as opposed yeah, to a voice but, person. But, but you did perfect. You got the tone right, the whisper, it was perfect. Well done. I'm really glad. tied up the episode nicely. I'm glad I could improve your work and leave <laughs> my work languishing in the dust. <laughs> But yeah, it was a good episode. Um, I loved, I loved the uh, the music in there as well. I got yeah, to use that's a lot what of, really stood out to me is the music selection. Yeah, for sure. And taking portions from from Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, putting them in there, and then filling in the gaps with the historical context of what was going on in the world then. Yeah, I thought you, I thought that was what struck me about it is that I thought you did a really good job of laying the groundwork of this story of Nehemiah in terms of what was going on at the time and why what he did mattered so much. Yeah, and it had, it had historical consequences because if he didn't do that, what would have happened to the Jewish people? I mean, who knows? Oh, for sure. Well, and it's especially amazing, too. I mean, just the overall story itself is amazing, but I think another thing that's so amazing about it is the fact that it was done so quickly. Yeah. Like, when you think about a project like that, you're thinking years and years of development. They did it in 52 days. Right. I mean, that's just unreal when you think about it. Yeah, they did it in 52 days, and they had people trying to attack them, and they had all kinds of resistance to it as well. And I know whenever I read that story in Nehemiah, whenever they are getting to the wall building, I'm just imagining how tense that must have been, <laughs> where you see these people building the building the wall, and you see these people on the outside that just want nothing more than for them to fail. And yeah. the fact that they're basically working with hammers and swords in case <laughs> violence should break out, I mean, it's a very tense scene. Yeah, I enjoyed your, another shout out to you, your sketch that we posted on the Instagram page oh, yeah. of, of Nehemiah. He's got a, a hammer in one hand. They're probably thinking I'm going to say a sickle in the other hand, but no, this isn't a communi <laughs> communism episode right. like the other. <laughs> he's got a hammer in one hand, he's got a sword in the other. He's kind of looking out into the sunset. It's beautiful. Oh, thank well you. Done. It's not my best work, I, w I assure you. I could have done better. But You're, yeah, you, know, you, you did. For the purposes uh, of this, it was good. You did quite a few good illustrations for this one, this, these mini pod series. I, I do what I can, you know. So not, not my best work, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> and then, yeah, I wanted to kind of wrap up this episode with a contrast between what Nehemiah brought to his community and what we're lacking in ours, which is, well, community, unity. Um, bringing people together under a common goal. And it's so hard to do these days because everyone's so divided over not just the big things, but everything. Yeah. So it's it's a good contrast and a, a reminder that it's important because without community, without sharing a common something, it's very hard to progress 
in anything. Yeah, when you when you place the individual above the group, what you're seeing in our culture now is exactly that, I feel. You know, when you put the individual above everyone else. Yeah, because it's not just the individual, it's every individual needs to be needs to have things their way, but that goes in direct contrast to another individual, so how can that ever be? And exactly. so it's just this constant tug of war and no one ever goes anywhere. And yet you get the feeling that Nehemiah totally saw through that and was like, I'm not having it. We're going to do this together. Yeah. And he had people who, who tugged back. I mean, it, yeah. later, I didn't cover it in the in the episode, but later when he returns to Jerusalem again after going back to Susa, as the Jews did throughout the Old Testament, they've rebelled again. They're not following God. They're they're working on the Sabbath. They're selling yeah. stuff. So he actually, <laughs> he closes the walls of Jerusalem again and right. he doesn't let anyone enter, enter out on the Sabbath. <laughs> But yeah, he was... Uh, yeah. You get the feeling that he was tough but fair and right. not easy to get along with maybe, but sure. he got. But like him or not, he got things done. Yeah. You get the feeling that he was that kind of person. All right, well, that is mini pods for, for the time being. We did, however, have a mini pod poll that we did on Instagram. That's right, maybe, maybe explain that a little bit. Yeah, so what we did, we took uh, episodes one through three... And we pitted them against each other. 47 Ronan mm-hmm. for the Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Oleg Pinkowski for Descent. And Gabriel Oak for Loyalty. And if I grab my phone here, the big winner was 47 Ronan. Yes. With a lot of majority of the vote, 57%. So well done to the Ronan. Big time yes for me. Okay, Just and then... Just my ego. Yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> And then the next poll, we did episodes four through six, which were Resistance, uh, Tank Man, Wilson Bentley, <laughs> or Passion, uh, the Snowflake Guy, and Nehemiah for Responsiveness. And that one was more even, although Wilson got a big goose egg, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. That, I guess nobody liked snow that day. On nobody. Instagram. Everyone, yeah. Really sad. Totally got buried. But... The winner was Tank Man with 55% of the vote to 45. So then we had a final poll just yesterday when we're recording this. And the winner was by 67%, 47 Ronin, episode one. Exactly as I planned. (laughs) You know what I learned from this, Scott? We should have just stopped after episode one. <laughs> All the other mini pods were totally unnecessary. <laughs> this entire part of our project was an utter waste yeah, of so time. Basically, all of my episodes were just <laughs> left in the dust. Yeah, yeah. Although, if it makes you feel better, Wilson just got buried in an avalanche. Yeah, poor Wilson. Of snowflakes. We should just promote him and get some get some right. Wilson love. It really helps whenever you pay people to like stuff for you. Because yeah, that's yeah. how... Hey, you won. That might be how you Ronan... Won. You know? Yeah, that might be how Ronan got so high. You know? <laughs> Thanks for everyone who voted. You're contributing to the Virtuous Man Project. So nicely done for you. Yeah, anything anything to say about your your smashing success of your mini pod episodes, Scott? Just keep listening to it more and more to to increase the viewership. It's funny, the most listened to mini pod episode is actually Oleg Pinkowski. Yeah, so but the most I popular should. one per the poll yeah, per the was, poll, yeah. Was uh, 47. Because as we all know, polls don't lie. They don't. And they are completely Ever. unbiased and totally fair. Yes. By the way, did you vote? 
No. You didn't even vote for your own thing and you won. Exactly. You know, wow. I'm, you know, integrity. I, I, I keep, I keep my personal life away from politics. Scott so. for the virtue of integrity, folks. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think you actually sent me anything to vote on. So. I sure did. I no, sure did. this is a tissue. Hey, of well, lies. if you uh, would check the uh, Instagram page. <clears throat> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to read the comments from what things that people have posted since the very beginning of this project all the way back to, was it February of 2020 is when we kicked this thing off? 2020, yes. Yeah. We beat COVID. So we're going to read some comments that we've gotten just over the past two years. So some really good ones. Yeah, we've hopefully. never done this before. Yeah. So here we go. All right, you want to start us off? Yeah, why not? There you go. So for the Teddy Roosevelt post, we had something from Hero's Breath saying, people say, I have X, Y, Z excuses. I respond with, Teddy Roosevelt got shot and instead of dying, made fun of his would-be assassin and finished his speech. <laughs> yes. Brilliant comment. Yeah, well what, more, what more can you say well other done. than, well done? <laughs> I've actually had a couple of requests to do a podcast episode on Teddy Roosevelt, so we'll have to do that. I think that is going to be a tough one because I personally would like to do Roosevelt myself because I think he was probably arguably the most manly president of them all. So, and there, and there's a lot more to Roosevelt than his presidency. I mean, he had such an eventful life that, I mean, there's so many different ways to approach it. And the fact that you've done a lot of the presidents. So it'd be nice for me to have a turn. Are you campaigning on a loose and unscripted episode to do a, a certain podcast? Yeah. If we have to duke it out right now on, on wow. if we have to duke it out right now, we will do it. Wow. I can't believe you would use this forum to do this, Scott. <laughs> yeah, we'll take, a, we'll take a poll. Who should do Teddy Roosevelt? We should do that. Or we could just collaborate, and I'll just oh, chuck your yeah. ideas and keep mine and call it good. Yeah, you get the first half, I get the second half. I bet that. Right. How about you do the intro and I do everything else? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Next comment. This one. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps just with that. that pause kind this of made, all. This made me laugh possibly harder than most uh, comments we've read. This is from Knight's Riot. And this is on our, this is actually on our Tom Brady post. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I can't remember what this one was from. So, this was like shortly, I think shortly after he won his, what is it, seventh right. Super Bowl? Well, and you, and you were just saying, we gotta do a post on Tom Brady, and I'm thinking he's a football person, so I couldn't care less. Yes. So you, and I'll, you, do, I'll, you do whatever you want. And I'll preface, I'm not like a huge Tom Brady fan. I just think he's an impressive human being. Well, there you go. Okay, so here's the comment. The fact that you are glorifying an athlete before someone like Jocko Willink disappoints me deeply. And then he liked his own comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's not like there's other pages out there glorifying Jocko Willink. So, you know, I mean, if we don't get to it, then, you know, somebody else will. So why not go to them? True. And you know what? To the point... Probably a guy we need to do at some point. Awesome yeah. guy. Yeah, it's not like it's a bad suggestion by any means, but yeah. I mean. And hey, Night's Riot, we love you. Keep commenting. All right, Scott, next one. So this is from the King Arthur post um, from, I cannot even pronounce that, so I'm going to spell it. J-T-K-I-L-U-K. It's Jitkalunk. Yeah, sure, that'll work. The Arthurian stories provide lessons for all men. They sought the highest ideals of knighthood and took on the quest to achieve the grail. Timeless and inspiring. 
Why isn't this guy writing episodes? Yep, nothing else I can say to that. That was pretty well done. Or, or gal. Exactly. I mean, these are very gender neutral, so hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a good one. This one was from the Dwight D. Eisenhower post for the virtue of self-control. Mm-hmm. This is from Roddy and Mary. And who doesn't like a, prof- a social media profile that is shared by a couple? I mean, I know I love those. Very romantic. So, yeah. Okay, the comment is, if the ability to control one's emotions could be taught today, we would see an incredible change in our country. Couldn't agree more. Well done. Good comment. Yeah, nothing more <laughs> Nothing more to add. <laughs> okay, this one is from the Andy and Red post. This is a really old one. Andy and Red are the two lead characters in the Shawshank Redemption. This is from Stavi Official. Male friendships and male bonds have definitely been under attack, especially with terms like bromance, a very important part of healthy male development. Yeah, I definitely agree with this one, especially with the use of the term bromance. I mean, it's a, <laughs> what, it, what it is, is a very, it is a very funny term. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's one of those things that it kind of uses humor to mask over a actually really deep truth. And that's the whole concept of male friendship. And it's really funny too, that we're reading this because I, was listening to a podcast or something like that. I can't remember what it was. And um, one of the characters was talking about movies that made him cry. And he said, one thing in any movie that always makes him cry are scenes of male bonding and male friendship. And I think that that is a really deep need in men today. And oh, yeah. they it often goes unspoken and unsaid, but but it is very true that men are especially lacking in genuine friendship. It's definitely a huge problem. Yeah, men men need other dudes to bounce ideas off of, to correct them, to build them up. They just need that in their lives. So, if, yeah, if you're not in a man's group, if you're not in some kind of community with men, then you got to make it a priority, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no, there are few greater needs in life than what friendship has to offer. And not just, and when we talk about friendship, we're not talking about, you know, you have a couple beers and maybe a movie and go to the sports bar and call it good. Like we're talking, like what you said, someone who holds you accountable, someone who pushes you to aim higher and someone who is there for you at your darkest hours. Like that is a real friend right there. And that goes beyond friendship. That goes to brotherhood, which is sort of like that <laughs> friendship 2.0. Right. But um, it's got to start somewhere. And there's layers of friendship too. Like there are plenty of friends that I have that I would never call at 3 a.m. in my darkest hour, and there are some that I would. I mean, and that's fine. Like, you you don't necessarily go deeper and deeper with every single relationship, but but there are those special ones that you need to have in your life that you can go deep with and you can share your true heart. Yeah, I mean, if you ask yourself, who would I call if I needed someone to fill in the blank at 2 a.m.? Do you have someone? And also, like, when's the last time someone called you out on something? Do you even have people in your life who know what's going on in your life and the things that you struggle with? And how well do you take being called out when it does happen? Right. That's very important, too. Well, it's also true, too, for, I think, married men, I guess. I mean, I'm single, but you're married. So I guess in, in regards to how marriage affects having male friends, what what is what are your thoughts on that? 
I think hanging out and, and having time for for those relationships definitely is a struggle, especially when you have kids. But, yeah, uh, as I can imagine, it is also so needed even in marriage because you you get a lot of what you need from your wife as far as you know companionship, friendship. But there's a certain aspect of male friendship that you're not going to get from your wife ever, and that's not her role. And it's all—it's also not fair to expect your wife to provide that for you. So you need to be around other men. Yeah, that's that's good advice. Good comments, Stavio official. All right, here's my last one. How to read this one? This is actually from our first ever post, which was Sir Ernest Shackleton. My dad raised me on the stories of Shackleton. It gave me a great scene of adventure and exploration. That is so true because I. I remember hearing about Shackleton for the first time. I wasn't a kid, I was older, but it really does make you want to have an adventure of your own. And so one of the things that I I am going to do with my kids when they're old enough to read it is read them uh, Lansing's Endurance. Mm -hmm. Great choice. Read it as a bedtime story. And, you know, obviously they need to be age appropriate before that happens, but read a, you know, a chapter a night to them and get them into the adventure of the whole story and... There's so many lessons in that book that you can teach kids and young men that, you know, leadership, self-sacrifice, and just gritting it out when there's no hope, but you keep on going. Such a great book and so many lessons. Oh, yeah. I think any kind of adventure story like Shackleton's, you can pull so many virtues out of it, you know? I mean, obviously, there was his leadership, which remains practically unparalleled, but all sorts of other virtues too, like courage and perseverance and so many other things. Okay, so this comment came from the most unobnoxious post we've ever made, probably. Jimmy Murphy for, I believe, Reliance, right? Yeah. Jimmy Murphy was the guy who kind of kept Manchester United Football Club together after the Munich era disaster that killed a bunch of their players. And go ahead, Scott, with the comment. Yeah, so this is from Electromagnetic Spectrum. Good name. Okay, but women. So obviously this person was implying, okay, but women, as in women are virtuous too. Why aren't you talking about them? Hello. You know, that's basically what that comment was saying. Which we agree with. Uh, Women can display many virtues, some of them even better than men. I think it sort of harkens back to this whole annoying thing in our culture where we are trying to basically eradicate the differences between men and women. Mm. And like, I totally agree with what you were saying there about, yeah, there are certain virtues that men and women both display, but often the ways that those virtues are displayed come out differently with men and women. You know, I think a great example too is a woman going through pregnancy. Like there are so many virtues that come out of that that a man would never know what it's like. Yeah. A, man, a man would never know what it's like to go through those particular virtues under those circumstances because a man mm-hmm. can't, obviously. Yeah, we just went through that. Shout out to my wife. Exactly. Well, and that that also kind of leads into the question that we've been asked the most throughout this project: Is are you ever going to do a virtuous women page? Yeah, and and the answer is no. No! Because we are two men highlighting the virtues of man. Who would be best suited to do a virtuous women's podcast? A couple of dudes like us or a couple of virtuous women? 
who are as dedicated to inspiring women to be virtuous as we are to men. Exactly. However, if there are any ladies out there interested in doing a similar project and would like any kind of help with that, reach out to us. We'd love to help. And we're totally serious about that too. Like if you want to see an equivalent page dedicated to women, we would love to stand beside you and help you and support you in any way we can. So when we say this, we're totally being serious. We totally think that it would be great to see something like this for women, done by women, for women. Yeah, and tell you what, we will even give you an unpaid promotion on our podcast if you make that page. And we also have to admit that it takes a long time to do this project. So to do a whole nother project along with this one, it just is not doable. It just isn't. All right, well, that about wraps it up. Last thing, we would love to see some reviews on Apple Podcast. So if you'd be willing to give us a review of the podcast, DM us, take a screenshot of your review and send it to us. Hopefully it's a good one, but either way. We will send you a free Virtuous Man sticker of your choice. You can go with the logo, the old logo, the new logo. You could pick out one of our posts and we'll make a a Virtuous Man sticker of that as well and send it to you free of charge. Yeah, it really helps us out whenever you leave a review or a comment or anything like that. So please just feel free to go ahead and do that and let us know and we'll we'll send you a sticker. All right, well, that's a wrap from Loose and Unscripted. We'll be coming out with more Loose and Unscripted here in the next couple of weeks with more topics. We've got a lot to talk about, and hopefully you'll be willing to listen. So thanks for joining us for this Loose and Unscripted, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. This episode of Virtuous Man was recorded by and featured Jamie Adams and Scott Einig. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and comment wherever you're listening. And follow us on our Instagram page at virtuous underscore man. Join us again next episode for a special Loose and Unscripted, where we discuss meeting one of the virtuous men we've highlighted through this project.